So, yeah, we gathered here in the 919 where we take our time, sit back, relax as they spit their facts. Trust me, you be coming back. Got my man Max Weezy, keeping everything on track. For sports to pop culture, matter where you at. iPhone to Android, you can play it back. DJ Relevant on the ones and twos can bring a smile to your day. If you feeling blue, true, we in the 919. What you gonna do? Let's rock, we at the barbershop. Let's rock, we at the barbershop. Let's rock, we at the barbershop. 919 at the barbershop. Let's rock, we at the barbershop. Number nine at the barbershop. Let's rock me at the barbershop. Let's rock me at the barbershop. Stay tuned. All right, all right, all right. It's your man, Max Weezy. Live from the now, now where everything is fine. Welcome into the Barbershop Podcast. Y'all, I know it's been a while. I know it's been a minute since I put something out, but I hope you enjoy this show. The reason why I'm introing it like this, normally I just go straight into the show. The reason why I'm doing this is to just explain a little bit about what's going on. So... You know, since it's been a while, I wanted to make sure I I got you guys a lot of content when I came back for this. And, you know, just for future reference, this whole uh, format and show is going to go through some changes. I'm going to do some different things. I will let you I will keep you guys updated on that. But thanks for following me and keeping up with me so far. So listen, on this show is Charlotte Sports talking Charlotte Sports, talking Hornets Panthers. Okay, I bought in two insiders, two experts, two media members that cover these teams you know, on the daily. So what I decided to do was I have a show with, I did a full show with both of them, you know, both about 45 minutes to an hour, you know, a long show. Okay. So the full shows with both of them are actually on my YouTube channel. So you have to go to Barbershop 919, go on YouTube, type Barbershop 919 podcast, go to the YouTube to see the full episodes that I did with both my guests. Okay. Uh, On this podcast, just the audio version, just this platform, the shows I did with both of them are, are essentially split in half and, and just cut a little bit just for timing. Okay, so my first guest is Chris Jenkins. He has been doing, he is, has a platform website, a uh, show called Charlotte Vibe. Charlotte Vibe is where he talks per, primarily Panthers sports. That's what Chris covers. Um, but, you know, on the Charlotte Vibe, you'll also get Hornets coverage and uh, other coverage about things going on in Charlotte, but Chris has had the site for for a few years now. I sat down with him to break down all the changes and everything, and he gave me some really great insight about the Panthers, not only about the changes that they had to go through, but where they're at now and what he thinks. So great content from Chris. You're going to want to listen to that and then stick around because after Chris, I've got Ashley Strohline. Ashley is a reporter at NBC Charlotte. And uh, she's been doing sports reporting in Charlotte for a few years now. She, uh, but she's with NBC Charlotte now. Uh, she's great. She covers the Panthers and the Hornets. But I've got Ashley talking, Ashley's piece about the Hornets after Chris talks about the Panthers. So you'll get Panthers, Hornets in this show. But I, I urge you and I'm encouraging all of you to head over to YouTube. Again, that's Barbershop Podcast. Now when I head to YouTube and watch both of these uh, shows fully that I did. So if you want to, you know, it's I, with Ashley, I've got Hornets and Panthers on YouTube, on the YouTube video. So you'll go on YouTube, you'll see the whole video. It's he, she's, she's, she, we talk about the, both teams. And then with Chris, um, you know, the, you can see the full show with Chris on YouTube as well. So those are going to be two separate videos on YouTube, but this is one, but, but, but really both of those shows split in half for one podcast. So don't want to, you know, get, you know, 
don't want you guys to be confused later. You know, sorry about this long, drawn-out explanation, but I just kind of wanted to brief you on what was happening, let you guys know where you can find the rest uh, of these two interviews because I had to cut them up a bit because I I wanted to talk to both of these people just about the what's going on in Charlotte as far as our sports and wanted to get you guys a lot of content. So the content is out there. It'll all be also explained in the description as well. But, you know, some people don't read that, so I wanted to come on and explain that beforehand. But anyway, it's great content. Hope you guys enjoy it. I'll stop talking now and let you guys listen to these great interviews and this great content. Keep it up. Keep up with me. Stay tuned. I've got more coming, more great things happening, more changes happening. Great changes, though. Thank you so much for listening to the Barbershop Podcast. Stay tuned. Here we go. Let's rock me at the barbershop. Let's rock me at the barbershop. Stay tuned. All right, all right, all right. It's your man, Max Weezy. Live from the 919, this is the Barbershop Podcast. I am joined by Chris Jenkins, who is, you are the 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 man, you're the man of the people, the Charlotte Vibe, <laughs> uh, covering all things uh, Charlotte uh, sports, especially the Panthers and Hornets, and, and you've been covering, uh, you've been covering things in Charlotte for a while now, haven't you, Chris? A while would be a good way to put it, man. Sometimes <laughs> when you hustling, you kind of don't remember when you first started. You just know that you hustling. <laughs> but yeah. I would, I would guess maybe two thousand six is two thousand ten is somewhere in between there. So just moving on, obviously to the to the Panthers. Um, you know, it's been a crazy football season, especially for for Carolina fans and for all fans in general. And there's so many talking points uh, <laughs> with the with the NFL in general and with the Panthers, but how do you feel about how, the way the Panthers handled um, Cam Newton's departure, especially seeing the way he's performing now? Departures, when are, when are they ever going to be like a parade and, and fun and yay and hugs and kisses, right? It's, the only time a departure is, is like that is when there's a retirement. <laughs> uh, otherwise, if you want to go from you know a really high profile, profile guy like Steve Smith to Cam Newton to even Greg Olson, Right. You know, Greg Olson's a really pro. I got that from Matt Rule because he calls guys pros all the time. You know, he's a, he's a pro's pro. But uh, <laughs> but, you know, even Greg Olson, when he left, wasn't too happy about how things went down. So, you know, I don't I don't I think it's just a business part of it all. As, as a fans, you, you certainly want to see guys stay and, you know, we control it as fans. We probably have every guy stay too long. He's just absolutely awful and taps out. But, you know, I think Cam leaving wasn't a bad thing. It, it was it was a risk thing in terms of this guy had, having been injured as many times as he, as he has. Uh, a situation where you're paying him a whole lot of money and, and you're maybe thinking that, I don't know if he's going to make it or if he doesn't, but you've got a new owner that's here and this new owner wants to sustain excellence. So how much can you really promise this guy that you're going to sustain excellence if you've got a guy with a hobble will that you're paying, I don't know, 25-ish million a year, and you kind of want to start to get another quarterback that could sustain? So in that sense of, you know, risk and reward, you know, Cam slash to Teddy Bridgewater, in terms of the long term, Teddy Bridgewater is certainly a more healthy-looking option. And, you know, Cam having a good time that he's having in New England, it's great for him, but I don't think that Panther fans should look at it like, oh, shucks, we should have kept Cam because it's still only two weeks into a 17-week season where that little will that he got on and that fresh tire, 
might, you know, get a little worn after you get a few hits. I don't hope that that happens, but that's just a, a you know, a liability. That's something that's possible to happen with him. So I, I think we're doing fine. I know some fans may agree with me, but I, I think I, I really like how this team is going. And you're welcome to disagree with me, Mac. Yeah. Um, so a couple of things on, on that for me. Um, what what made what makes it hard in retro in hindsight is the fact that we I don't I I, I wish I could see what it would be like if they had kept him only to see what would have happened afterwards in terms of like does Luke Kuechly retire um, does you know are they able to keep like more veterans on the, on the team because I think. I can't remember if Luke retired before or after they released Cam, but um, obviously, if he if Luke retired before they released Cam, then I, I think they he would have had to have some knowledge of of how they were feeling towards him. You know, because it make I I like I I feel like he would have stayed if Cam stayed, but yeah. um, but so it's hard to say like oh yeah they should have kept because I, obviously I you know. I love Cam Newton while he was here. He was, you know, to me, he, he really um, brought, put Carolina on the map. He changed, you know, the, the organization for the better. And, and so did Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera should get a lot of credit for, for that. And in hindsight, I kind of wish the Panthers were more patient with Ron Rivera, to be honest, um, more, so than, more so than Cam, because, I mean, hard, good coaches are, are really a lot more difficult to find than good quarterbacks, in my opinion. Um, so, you know, again, it's, it's, it's hard to answer just like straight out <laughs> for me. I think it's just depending on like how the other chips fell. I think if Cam was the quarterback of the team as currently constituted, um, I think he would have struggled anyway, cause especially because of the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, I think the offense would have been fine, but. I think his upgrade from Teddy Bridgewater, but I just don't think he has a great season with the with the team the way it is now. But um, it, so that kind of all plays into it. But for me, I think that I'm just hoping that this these changes and and everything that's happening now is not uh, for nothing. I, I hope that we're able to to turn around. If we're really bad this year, I hope we get. You know, I hope we get Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, whatever. You know, I, I just hope that there's a, there's a, uh, you know, a, a light at the end of the silver tunnel. lining at the end of the yeah, tunnel. It's, it's got to be because it's, I, I feel like the Panthers in their short history uh, have never been bad for very long. It's always been bad for a couple of years, playoffs, you know, NFC championships, Super Bowls. So, you know, that's, I kind of hope that we, we, we turn this around and then we're able to find more consistent success moving forward. Yeah, for me personally, I, I like a lot of things that I'm seeing so far, but I don't think Cam Newton stand would have changed a lot of the other veterans leaving. That's always, I won't say always, but that's mostly a money contract issue with those guys. I feel like people love playing with the player, but I feel like coaching is a bigger thing that wants a player to come to than a quarterback would, unless you're a really, really elite. Now, I'm not, now I want to get into a discussion about how elite Cam Newton is, but with him having those injuries that he's had and not being able to play, most of the other guys leaving would have been a contract issue. I know I saw a guy at the airport, coincidentally, and 
you know, he, you know, the off the record comment was basically, I wanted money that they didn't want to get. <laughs> right. And Luke is to me, one of those people that don't care who's around. He just wants to ball out. You know, to me, if Luke wanted to go because personnel changed and when Thomas Davis left, he might've went out and sought all this money or something different to be in a better position. And he never did that. Luke's situation seemed extremely medical, even though he didn't get into it. You know, if you look at the video from when he first sat down to do the thing, just how he looked, I mean, this guy looked not like he lost his best friend, but he looked like, ah, oh, I don't want to stop playing football. But, you know, there's, there's, there's more to life than just football for him. And he's still with the team in some kind of capacity. So I think Teddy Bridgewater is doing fine. I know we had the two interceptions this past game against the Bucks, but other than that, I don't, I don't feel like I've seen Teddy Bridgewater do things where I'm like, oh my goodness, where you would get those things from, from Cam, especially with his accuracy occasionally. I feel like everybody knew like, okay, here he goes throwing way high and he's, he's off and you're wondering when he's going to get back on target. And for the most part, for what I see, Teddy seems to be on target more consistently than Cam. You haven't seen him ramp, run as dynamically, but heck, he's not a freaking lineman with four, six speed. That yeah. So yeah. That's kind of hard to do unless he's just super quick, like a, like it was Murray in Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Teddy is, is a non-mobile quarterback in a, in a, in a world of we're saying that mobility is, is really uh, being highlighted and, and it's being successful, whether it be Lamar Jackson, Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray is having a great year so far. So, I think, and I think also too, like it's easy to be even on throws that he he misses. For me with Teddy, it's easy to be like, oh, it's easy to be frustrated because I think, I think, and I I got caught up in this. I had to stop myself. I think, from a fan's perspective, you're automatically comparing to Cam, but also, if you look at the quarterback play throughout the league, even with Tom Brady, Drew Brees, um, other quarterbacks, I think this learning process is has made the play a little bit sloppy um now like really really high level quarterbacks like Russell Wilson Aaron Rodgers Lamar Jackson Patrick Mahomes are you know seamlessly it seems like they're seamlessly coming to the league and they're playing having great success but those are coaching staffs and systems that have you know been there for a while whereas although Teddy Bridgewater is familiar with Joe Brady's system I think all the new coaches and the new quarterbacks are 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 having a learning curve that we're not seeing with some other ones, and that's just the product of the way the off season was with 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 um, the shortened off season and everything changing because of COVID. Yeah, and for me, man, I I go to think, you know, I, I'll be candid with people all the time, and I said, man, you know, I hope this team does well. I mean, heck, I like them and I cover them, so it's it's a lot better work environment when you're covering people that are winning, then, I mean, that's a whole different tangent about going into a locker room after teams lose a game is tough enough. And going to that locker room after they've lost three, four, five games, it's brutal. <laughs> um, but for this team to have what I felt like was the chip stacked against them with COVID interrupting so much of the off-season curriculum and programs and training, and you got a full new co-head coach, uh, young coordinator on defense side, offensive side. You got all these new players out there. 
I felt like they'd have the, you know, a really huge uphill battle just because they're new. Like, have you ever started a new job and just the first week just did great? There's a learning curve, even if you're great, right? <laughs> and these guys are playing good. They they are having deficits that again, if I'm new to the whole, if I'm new here, new coach, new things, and I'm like, ah, I don't know what's gonna happen. We're losing. But these guys are coming back from deficits to be competitive in games and have legitimate chances to win. Even you can't, Mac, you're playing, you're playing Tom Brady. You're a new coach. Everything's new. He starts doing great. He's up on you by, I don't know, 17, 21 points. Yeah, 21, yeah. How, you know, <laughs> how easy is it not to be like, well, we're about to get beat by one of the greatest quarterbacks ever, and that right. didn't happen. Right. They fought back, and they, they the defense stepped up, and they, they fought back, and they, they started to break down at the end. But to me, that's pretty incredible considering how much experience that this team has and how young the defense is, what averaging 21, 22 years of age, that's incredible. So I want them to win, but I feel like we're developing a, a product to give us an opportunity. Let me ask you this then, how quickly do you think uh, the Panthers can be a playoff team? I mean, so far, I feel like they're doing great. Yeah. So if, if they continue like they are now, I don't see why that couldn't be extremely likely in year two and highly required in year three. Right. Because they're they're doing so good on all aspects of building culture, having guys believe. Uh, you know, a big thing with coaching is not only the head coach, but the, the coordinators and halftime adjustments. I feel like, oh man, I forget the uh, was the Shula we had a couple years ago that was a was a good game planner. Because if we came out doing good, we could do like we could start plenty of games good. Uh, but if the other team went into halftime and made some adjustments, we just kind of like, uh oh, you know. So and this that hadn't happened yet to this team. So I feel very optimistic about it. Yeah, and and obviously you know too. I I didn't even know this until a couple of weeks ago. I think I saw that that David Tepper, you know, our, our new owners, the Panthers' new owner is, is uh, the wealthiest um, owner in the National Football League, which kind of surprised me. But uh, what, so being that the case, like, what do you think that can mean for the future uh, of the team, being that he is the wealthiest? Well, I, well I, I think more so than him being the wealthiest is that he, his brain, right? We kind of talked about Jordan earlier. And, you know, let's do the same thing when we talk about David Tepper, because, yeah, and I heard that he's the richest and I kind of looked it up and I forget if I found out and verified that he was the richest, but I know he's certainly top three. Cause I think Jerry Jones or Kraft came to mind when he, when he yeah. said that, but I mean, when I, when I read that, but Tepper has a technical brain, right? And, and, and I say this from having talked to the guy several times, not one-on-one -on -one, of course, but through media, he is like this. He's like, I know I'm not a coach. I know I'm not Jerry Jones that can be a general manager, but I know about processes and what helps anything work. And he is, that's where he's going to leverage and using all his money to get all these studies done and scientific things done and processes to be like, just even from like, he talked to us about scouting, right? So with COVID, nobody's traveling. 
and people are having to sit at home like we are now and do Zoom and all kinds of things. So he's like, well, hey, just from a process standpoint, do we have to keep getting all of our coaches tired and driving them all around the world? What if we could actually do more re evaluations of talent by implementing a very like this high tech center where all my coaches could do Zooms and analyze data and players more quickly and stuff all the time. So that aspect that of, of intelligence and processes to make better decisions, I think will be where his money comes in to really help this team be, be like I don't know, the Jetsons or something or like Golden State. I think Golden State's a team in the NBA that heavily adopted tele, uh, technology without there being out there in Silicon Valley. I think he could do that kind of thing with the Panthers. He seems a lot more analytical, um, you know, yeah, a lot <laughs> more analytical. I think, I think a, the Golden State Warriors is a, a great comparison actually, because I mean, that, that just sort of seemed, and the, the past couple of years he's been here, just, that's been my impression of him. And you know, what you, what you just described sort of supports that. And, and I think in a, and that kind of just going back quickly, just to the whole Cam Newton conversation, I think, um, and I heard this a lot in the national media, but just Cam Newton wasn't necessarily your, the best analytical quarterback. He's a lot of, he, 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 uh, a lot of his, his, what made him great, but you know, it's his off script. It's, you know, it's the, the things that, you know, you can't, you can't really measure. And so I think that was that was good sometimes and also could get him in trouble, but that I can also see why an analytical person would probably move away from that um, and want to play it a little bit safer. Um, and real quick too, before we, before we jump off here, Chris, I know that, um, you know, the whole world is, are having more conversations around um, you know, the social justice and the things that are going on in this country and, and, the, and that moved into the sports world, um, obviously. And I know around the time the, the NBA um, were, were, they stopped play for a little bit. And I know that different teams were having internal conversations about, you know, what they could do to, to do more supportive social justice. The NFL obviously implemented some things and I know the Panthers were, um, I think, I know the Panthers had some conversations, some things about what they wanted to do, what they were going to do. Uh, so, I, so, so far, um, have you heard anything or do you know of any um, plans that the Panthers have uh, moving forward to sort of uh, address some of the social justice, social issues that, uh, that are going on right now? Yeah, they have had some team meetings to talk about what they would do. And so far, what I've been hearing is that they haven't, they haven't come up with something yet. But the biggest thing that they want to be able to do as a team is make sure that everybody in the locker room understands that, they, that, that there will be efforts to raise awareness for social injustices and making sure that teammates know about it. And the biggest thing they said they want to do is not have their teammates be surprised or shocked by something that whether it's a whole group or the whole team may want to do as they just want to become more uh, promotional about those things. Like Shaq Thompson talking about the fact that he he's never voted and he just thought he shouldn't vote or just didn't think that he needed to vote. Now he's trying to ask other players to sign up and vote and this will be the first time that he votes. Um, and you know, some players may kneel or I forget what all they have done. But again, they haven't thought of one big thing to do as a unit 
but more so that pat needed to say hey we are going to individually or some groups do some things to have an impact and i know tepper foundation continues to do things in the in the community to help out as well i know last year even before this social injustice came so big but this is kind of not related but somewhat related was that he helped west charlotte which is pretty much a you know heavily black populated school gave them bus and transportations to go to a, to a playoff game that they just didn't have the funds to do and they're continuing to do stuff like that i saw that story that was pretty cool yeah cool well yeah thank you so much chris i really appreciate uh your your knowledge and expertise and your your analysis <laughs> of the Panthers so far. I know we don't have much to go on. Uh, did you even think that we would have a season? Like, were you, how, how did you feel about that? Were you nervous? I mean, it's a big part of your job, so I know you were. <laughs> you know, I know, honestly, at one point, just to be, like I said, I like to be real with people. I was, I was hoping that we just wouldn't. Yeah. Because I just felt like, you know, it is a business for me, and I'm thinking, how am I going to make this interesting for people? Because what they're doing, you know, NASCAR started first, and what they're doing is giving just really the networks the access and everybody else is remote. And you know, what a lot of when a lot of good stories and, and coverage like mine comes from being able to be in the locker room, be able to talk to a player without 50 other people around and ask them questions and get some insight and get some detail and be able to do those. Now I can't do that. You know, now it's a Zoom call. So if I want to you know, ask you a little bit more in depth about your play and maybe why you did this on this play and why did you do that on another play? I can't do that because everybody's watching them like, hey, I got a question. So I didn't think we would because it just felt like of all sports, how could football not have cases of COVID just explode because these guys are touching, sweating, getting cut, everything on one another, heavily, heavily contact. And I just felt like, okay, yeah, during the preseason, they're able to keep it under wraps because why? Well, the guys aren't playing football. They're just having meetings and they're like, one guy's on the suite and the other guy's over here. I'm like, the real test is gonna start once they start playing and they're, they're doing good. So I didn't think we would, but here we are. I, I still have concerns about and feel like an explosion of COVID cases could happen much more quickly in football than any other sport even you know hockey's kind of a lot of contact but they they're covered a lot yeah well no they have open face mask in hockey don't they yeah I, uh I, i'm not sure actually <laughs> that's a yeah, good question. I, I think they is optional a to little have bit. face mask yeah um the goalies do but still you know football you still have sleeves out you have jerseys that that could come out and i just feel like there's a lot more sweaty contact that happens and, and football where you're just holding a guy than doing hockey. They, I mean, hockey, they, anyway, I'm going off of a tangent. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and I think what it, what's being underreported a little bit is the fact that in, in NFL, they've done it, they've done a great job. In college football though, they've, I know at least, um, I, I, there was a North, the UNC was supposed to play UNC Charlotte last week and they, were, they had like a lot, I think UNC Charlotte had like a few offensive linemen that had had a uh, tested positive for, for COVID nineteen, and that's happening more often in college sports, um, in college football than it is in the pros. But I, there's a, a lot of reasons why that could be the case, and I, we will you know go down that rabbit hole. But 
Um, I, th I think, you know, the NFL is doing a good job. I think one of the things that has been happening, though, and, you know, real quick, if you want to comment on it, uh, there, there's a lot of the injuries. And I, th I remember even before the season, a lot of the a lot of players were, were saying that they were a little bit nervous about soft tissue injuries because of lack of conditioning through the offseason and, and no preseason. And we've seen a lot of torn ACLs, um, you know, other and other soft tissue injuries so far. So even though people are sort of some get bored by preseason games and all that stuff, do you think that this kind of justifies preseason because of all the injuries we're seeing so far? Hey, hey, you'll, you'll laugh at this one. I'm going to give you an old man's perspective on it. <laughs> <laughs> to me, there's not your body simply needs more time to adapt to any kind of rigorous activity before you can really be good to go. Because I just started going back to the gym and I really just trust it. I'm going to go really slow because my body just isn't used to it. And it'll still be like after the third day, it's just like, oh, you know, it's you're just not there yet where you can consistently go at a high level. And we're talking pro athletes, they go at a superb level. So I think it does affect them. And, and yeah, just from a conditioning standpoint, I think at least two of those games, uh, or just maybe not even so much the games, because I know a lot of the, the veterans these days, they only play in the last game and they might play two series in the other game. So veterans still don't play a whole lot, but I think just having the, the contact and the practice go a little bit longer would be helpful. I don't know how much preseason they need. Honestly, I feel like they could probably cut that down to two games just because fans don't even like it. It's a waste of people's money and who, who tunes in to those games. I, I think from a, a fan perspective, they should cut it down. And just again, as long as they have the regular training, OTAs and things like that, I think the guys can be fine. I, think, but, I agree. But to help you wrap up, because I know I added time in there there. Hey, no, uh, it's okay, man. <laughs> I'm Chris Jenkins with Charlotte Vibe, and I cover myself, predominantly the Carolina Panthers. And the easiest way is just to Google Charlotte Vibe, but I'm on all the uh, on YouTube, all the social media outlets from YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, I love connecting with people. And I try to be a man of the people and love to take questions from people and go directly to those coaches and players and ask those questions along with giving my opinion about things. Yeah. Yeah, check out Charlotte Vibe. He's he's got a, you do a show. How many times a week? Twice a week? No, uh, this year I'm trying to do it. As, I haven't committed to daily. Okay. But it yeah. Ends up being a, probably about four days a week. So typically each day I try to at least give a report from the team as far as injuries and latest developments. And then on game day I'll do two shows. I'll do a pregame show and then I'll do a, a postgame show. And both of those due to COVID I have now made live because unfortunately. I have not seen a football stadium this season. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, yeah, you know where to find them. You know where you can, you can catch them again. Chris Jenkins, Charlotte Vibe. Thank you so much for jumping inside the barbershop. And uh, until next time, Chris, appreciate you being here. And we will uh, we'll do it again. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. All right. Peace. Let's rock me at the barbershop. Let's rock me at the barbershop. Stay tuned. All right. All right. All right. It's your man, Max Weezy. Live from the nine. Welcome inside the barbershop. I am joined by uh, Ashley Stroline. Ashley is a super duper 
um, wonderful sports reporter in Charlotte, North Carolina. She works for NBC. Uh, she also covers uh, Conference USA for the NFL Network and uh, works in motorsports too. And so uh, Ashley, welcome so much to uh, the barbershop. Thank you for coming. Yeah, I'm glad we could finally make this happen. I feel like we've been talking about it forever. And every time I think I'm going to have a calm day, I never do. But here we are. So we're going to talk about a lot of sports. So let's yeah. do it. So let's get into like the world of, of Charlotte sports right now. Which yeah. is, it's a little crazy. I want to kind of talk about though, like, um, you know, we can, we definitely, we'll, we'll definitely will get into like the Panthers. Obviously, it's football season, but we're just about to wrap wrap up the NBA season. And uh, I guess, I guess, I mean, nothing's in, in official yet. I guess within NBA starting the new season, but we know that is going to come very shortly after this season ends. And uh, so, one of the things, particularly with the with the Hornets, that uh there's it seems to be a really good opportunity now like and from a fan's perspective i was super duper excited to that we got the third pick in the lottery draft it seems like the lottery uh never really falls the way we want it uh it's very disappointing and uh but no we have the third pick and there's a really good opportunity here it's not like last year where you have like a really like oh it's it like this has to be the number one pick person it's it's sort of like a top three and mm -hmm. you know most of the experts are saying you know whoever if you know the, the three teams get any one of those three players it's it's good for them or whatever um and then but i think it's very interesting and i'm very interested to see how it, how it plays out from a, again from a fan's perspective um i'll go ahead and say that i hope that um i, I hope that we somehow get lamella ball and I'll say uh -oh. that. <laughs> uh, um, because one i think like I think at this point in the, in the, we have, you know, the young players that we have have played really well. I think PJ Washington just made all rookie, which is, which is great. But I think um, at the point that we're at now, uh, I think we need something, the Hornets need something that, or a player that's going to not only like, you know, be a good player and, and, and help bring us success and kind of get to where we want to go. But also someone that's just going to bring some attention back to the, the basketball team. And, and, you know, the Panthers have so much of it. All, both of the teams are sort of trying to figure out who they are because, you know, there's so much rebuilding has happened. Yeah. Um, but I think getting somebody like um, Lamelo, who's a great player, but also he brings a lot of media attention. I think that's just like something that will energize fans that have not seen good basketball in a very long time. So um, I know that, we're in the third pick, so a lot of it depends on what the other two teams do. We have no control over that. But um, it, I think best case scenario, again, just from a fan's perspective, is is getting Lamelo. But um, for, from you as a person that that, that kind of covers the team and, and you have more of an inside perspective, like tell me like what you think about um, what the the opportunity that the Hornets have with the third overall pick. Yeah, I mean, you just got to take the best player that's there at number three, right? I mean, that's pretty much to me what it boils down to. It doesn't matter what you really need. It's who is the best player that is there when it's our time to make the pick. And and you just hope that the Hornets get it right. I mean, we've had some moments and it's not been very pretty over the years. And so, all right, we've been given another gift. Let's see what we do with it. And, you know, it was really exciting watching the lottery and seeing that we got, okay, you wanted the number one pick, of course, but getting three, that was, everyone was excited. There was like this positive, spirit kind of about Hornets fans on Twitter that night and everyone that was interacting but there's also those fans who have been burned by the organization that are like 
okay, we've got it, but what are we going to do with it? So you just hope that they truly take the best player available. And I actually got to talk to LaMelo uh, during his, during the draft combine, he did media and I was able to hop on that call. And it was so interesting. I don't know, I guess you, you know, everyone knows the ball family and kind of like you mentioned that all the extra that comes with them, right? It would be interesting in Charlotte, whether it's good media, bad media, whatever, but it would be something just to bring a little flair. But I saw I expected so much more, but he was so just like, nope, yes, don't know, yes, no, yes, no. But it was interesting when he was asked about the Warriors, like what if Golden State drafts you? Like a lot of people think that's not a good fit for you. Your dad said that and he's like, well, my dad's his own man and I'm my own man. I don't really care what my dad said. Like I'm going to be a good fit no matter where I go. And I was like, whoa, he just threw dad under, you know, under the bus. Um, so that was an interesting moment during his presser. He was asked about the Hornets and he's like, you know, I definitely can fit in there, but I think I'm going to fit in with any team. That was his answer. No matter where it was in the NBA, the only team at that point he had met with, he said, you know, it was New York and had a good meeting there, but it didn't matter. You could ask about any of the teams. And he's like, I'll be a great fit. I'm good. So he has the confidence. There's no doubt about that. And, and his journey to the NBA is definitely different playing overseas and having those, you know, added experiences. I think, you know, he kind of said, that's shaped me. And, and there's, you're going and playing with grown men in, in other countries. And I think that's helped, you know, caused me to grow up and mature. So we'll see where he lands. I just hope the Hornets get it right and, and get somebody good. And, you know, just because you have a high draft pick doesn't mean that they pan out in the NBA. We've seen plenty of, of busts. So hopefully whoever we get will we'll bring some excitement they'll develop into a good player. And, and, you know, it's just, I feel like I love the Hornets, right? And you look over, over the history of the organization, you have, you know, Muggsy and Dell and Alonzo, like all these awesome players and all these great stories. And, and back in the day, there was never an empty seat in the house. I love hearing those stories. And I just wish we could have that here now. I think everyone's still sad about Kimba and you saw him go and the Celtics reached the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm so happy for him. I'm so happy he got to experience that, but I think people are still upset that he's not a not a Hornet. Like, why did what's going on, MJ? So we'll see. I know it's a whole lot of talk, but I just know people's have, you know their hearts have been broken a lot. So we'll see what happens in November when the draft takes place. Yeah, yeah. My whole thing was just like, okay, Hornets. Like, whatever happens, like, just don't out through the room. I think that's the worst thing, you know, in that moment that you can that you can do with that opportunity because it doesn't come along very often. And and you know, to your point, uh, you know those those old those teams from the nineties uh, that got a lot of attention. I think that was uh, just a time where, you know, where the city was excited about professional sports and, you know, those players were you know great players. They, they, they necessarily probably didn't have like the celebrity like coming in, but they turned out to be really good players. So I think you can definitely, I agree with you. You can definitely, just, if you get the best player, some players don't pan out, but if you, if it works out, then no matter who it is, they can definitely grow into, grow into a household name or, or and, and the team can can be successful but uh i just i i think selfishly um just not only wanting the team to succeed like on the court but also just to get some attention sort of like back on uh yeah. a team that just hasn't really had much to talk about in in a very long time and even when we had kimba like it was exciting to watch for charlotte fans but even just like outside of charlotte like no one talked about the hornets unless it was a, a rumor that Campbell was going to get traded or whatever. So it's just like, it's just like, man, just like, give us, give us, give us something, give us a, a reason just to, you know, just, <laughs> just to be excited about basketball, about Horns basketball, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, it's sad sometimes <laughs> when you go to Spectrum, right? And you go for a game and you see more jerseys for the away team. The cheers are louder for the, like I've had some players come here as free agents and they were like, like, what is this? Like where I played my last market? No way would you hear more cheers for the away team. So it's, there are some nights where I'm just like, I'm in awe sitting on press row. I'm just like, wait, what was that? Are we cheering for the other team? Like, and don't get me wrong. Like, I'm sure as a fan of the sport, like you're excited when there's a, a player that you really want to see come, like you, you might buy a ticket to that game. Cause you want to say, Oh, I've seen LeBron in person, whatever. That's fine. But whoa, the disrespect some nights, like it, it would be hard as a player to know that's your home court. And that's how, like, that's the atmosphere for you some nights. But again, that's also on the organization to turn things around and win games and give fans a reason to be excited. I love coach Borrego. I think he's, so invested he has such a great energy he wants to build the identity and shape the culture and we just talked with him and, and miles bridges because they had a little two-week camp they got of course they were one of eight teams that didn't make it to the nba bubble but they got to have their own bubble here and, and do some workouts but also just some team bonding like they celebrated caleb and cody's birthday they went bowling cody zeller was playing tennis against coach jay so just really still finding a way to bond and develop even though they weren't a part of the bubble um, and I think there's some good pieces on the team. I think there's some good personality. But one of the questions that came up for Coach was, well, how does Charlotte become a destination for top free agents? And that's kind of what you mentioned, right? Like, how do you get that buzz about the city, about the team, to where it's a conversation in the national media and players are like, wait, Charlotte might be a place I want to go because we don't, we don't have that. We get people at the end, right? We got... Well, Dwight's doing well this year, but he came here for a one-year stop. Tony Parker came here and then retired. Like, we just get people for a hot second, and then they're gone. So I just – we want people to come and stay that are going to be top free agents. Right, right, absolutely. And uh, just – and I, I guess I want to ask a little bit more, too. Like, uh, what is it like – I mean, because, I mean, now most – that's a it's a young team. It's a lot of young players, players that have got drafted in the – uh, in the last couple of years here. So just what is your impression of, you know, it's hard to lose, you know, for, for athletes, but like, just other than that, just like the, about what it, you kind of touched on already a little bit, but like, um, just the chemistry right now, like as they're a group of young players, just trying to figure it out and learn and, and, you know, grow into a really good team. Like how, like, what are you kind of like seeing and hearing just from like a morale standpoint from that, from the Hornets? Yeah, well, I think when the season was suspended due to COVID, that's when that team was kind of playing their best ball, right? They had kind of found their rhythm. They were finding ways to compete every night. That was a big thing. Maybe they didn't win, but they were they were truly competing. And I think you have Devontae Graham, who hmm, probably got snubbed a little bit as most improved, right? I think Definitely a lot of players snubbed. were like, what? <laughs> Definitely got snubbed. Um, you know, so he's shown great strides when he got actually got playing time this year. You know, before he was behind Kimba and behind Tony this year neither of those players are here so he's showing us what he's actually capable of as you mentioned pj really stepped into his own as a rookie got some nice accolades at the end of the season i think miles bridges is so athletic uh i think he's got a lot of potential uh so i mean we'll see there are some some good pieces cody he's your vet he's been there when, when he's not injured i think he's doing good stuff for the team so We'll see. I think as far as like morale and chemistry, I think they're all so close on and off the court. I mean, you've got Miles and Dwayne putting out a rap album together. <laughs> so I just, I think that they care about each other. And I think that desire to do good and to win is there. You got Terry Rozier who came in and 
and brought some, you know, some kind of veteran leadership. He got to do some things he didn't get to do in Boston. So I think they all care. I think they want to win. I think that desire is there. And I think they're all kind of coming into their own as players in, in different ways. So I think there's potential. And then like I mentioned, like Borrego, like I don't know who wouldn't want to play for him. Like I leave his press conferences and I'm like, I'm inspired to tackle the day. <laughs> you know? So I can only imagine what it's like being a player for him. I want to ask you something. You mentioned about the awards tonight, which was like, you know, obviously obvious, but uh, <laughs> this is kind of always on my mind when we get the results back of who voted for awards. And we know that the media and I think in the, in the NBA, um, it's just media that decides all the all the awards that go out. And as a person that works in media yourself, I know that you have you're really busy just as a person that does, you know, local media and some other stuff. But, you know, it seemed the conversation, especially after the results of this year, where a lot of people were talking about, oh, how can LeBron only get 16 MVP votes and all these other discrepancies in the in the awards voting? Like, do you, do you think that maybe the voting should be done a little bit of a different way? Like, just I'm just thinking about maybe some of this is the fact that you know we're asking the all these people in the media that are probably some some of which which are covering. Uh, you know, the sport nationally and probably other sports too. And like, you know, how do you have the time to like really pay attention to, you know, 32 NFL teams and 30 NBA teams to make sure you're really like, you know, get, doing your due diligence to really, you know, do it, get a, get a vote in besides like watching the big games. And, and so like, what do you think about that? Like how, do, like, you know, you're busy. So I'm just imagining like your own schedule, but somebody who covers media nationally, like, and it, se- it seems like we're, people are getting snubbed or there's just a lot of like, oh, how could this happen? Like, what do you, what's your opinion on that? <laughs> right. Well, I think you always, like, it's nice to be rewarded at the end of the season, right? Like in whatever job you're in, it's nice to, to be awarded something, but you can't, like, you can use those as like milestones that you want to reach to get a little added motivation. But if you're playing for the, the individual awards, like, you know, I get it. I'd be frustrated too, right? If you felt like you had a career season and you didn't get any votes or just a handful of votes. So you kind of have to, I think, as a player, like, yeah, I want it, but it's kind of like, as you know, Giannis says, like, until I win a championship, I'm not an MVP. Like, it's great that you gave it to me, but I haven't done the one thing that I want to do, and that's win as a team. So I think that's one thing to take into consideration, you know, but I get it. I mean, I want to win an Emmy for my work. I want to feel like I was the best that year in something. Of course, I, I totally understand. Um, but I don't know exactly who's on every ballot. Like, I know it's a, a handful of people. You have to think too, right? Like, okay, I covered the Charlotte team. I, to be clear, I don't get, get a vote. So let me put that out there. <laughs> but, um, but it would be hard for me not to vote for a player that I see every day. I cover every day. Like, you have to truly be unbiased. And again, it's all subjective. It's all an opinion. There are stats you can go off of, but you know, you and I, you know how sports people are, right? I could see something one way, you could see it the other way, and we're gonna argue until our dying day about it. And it just is what it is. It's so, so much of life is subjective and that is definitely true when it comes to voting. So I, I mean, I'm sure it's, you know, something you can look into and is, and maybe this year will be the year, especially after players were coming out and saying, like even, you know, we bring Devonte back into it for most improved and Luca was like, take my name off, like put Devontae on there. So you have people being kind of, kind of vocal about it. So maybe it's something they'll look into. And I do think it's hard. Like you mentioned, like for me, I cover so many things on a daily basis to really, if the NBA is not my beat, like overall NBA, 
I'm going to miss things that happen. Like I'm either going to have to be really dedicated to go and do my research and vote, or, you know, some people might just pencil stuff in. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, when I, when I just hear like there's people with like, they've got the NBA votes and the NFL votes and like Heisman votes. I'm like, how do you have time to like watch all that? Like, you know, you have to do your, do your job, but you also have to have a personal life too. And you, there's, yeah. I, I just, I just think that, you know, we'll see kind of what happens, but maybe just they think about oh, just restructuring a bit, like who gets to vote for what? Cause it's just, it's too much. Um, <laughs> and people just, I mean, just give these people a break. Let these people like focus on one sport or something. Ashley, thank you so much. This has been a, a, a pleasure having you on here. I really appreciate it. I, I really think um, it's just, it's just kind of, we we're, we are in a, in a special time and, and a, a time of like, okay, like we can, the future is ahead for us in, in Charlotte, both for the for Hornets and the Panthers and, and just for sports in general. We can we can have this conversation all day, but uh, yeah. I wanna I wanna I wanna thank you so much for, for doing this and uh tell everybody I guess where they can, you know, find you, follow you, tell tell everybody what you're doing, plug yourself real quick. Yeah, well I'm on WCNC Charlotte, the NBC affiliate. So you can catch me there on different days on their Saturdays, Sundays, we do extra football stuff. And, and throughout the week, we do a lot of sports reporting. Nick Carboni is my partner in crime. So if it's not me, it's him. And you can follow me on Twitter at Astro or Instagram, ash.stro. And that's about it. So yeah, <laughs> but thank you for having me. It's, it's been so awesome catching up with you. And I think we failed to mention, like we met because you actually like shadowed and interned with me for a little bit back in the day. Yeah, yeah, I did. I, de I definitely, you know, it, again, I, I, I think at that time I was just trying to like really figure out like what my place was. And that, that was a time where I, I like, you know, I was just like, man, I need to see like all, you know, so many facets and so many different things. And, uh, you know, just again, the options are sort of everywhere. So when you, I think you, I learned a lot that day, um, you know, yeah. just kind of being, kind of being, you know, in that environment and kind of seeing. So I appreciate you being so open to that and, and, and again, just being so like willing to come and spend some time. Definitely, we'll do this again. Hopefully, next time yes. it won't take us so long to to actually make it happen. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You're all always welcome back to the barbershop. Uh, thank you so much again, Ashley, and everybody. Uh, hope you enjoy. Stay safe out there, and we'll see you next time. Peace. Let's rock me at the barbershop. Let's rock me at the barbershop. Stay tuned. All right, y'all, that's it for this episode of The Barbershop. Keep showing us love. We appreciate it. Go ahead and rate and review this podcast and also share on social media and tell your friends about us. And if you're feeling generous, there's a link in the description to become a monthly subscriber. You can do it for as little as 99 cents and you can support this podcast and help us to grow and to glow. We appreciate all the love. We'll see you next time here at The Barbershop. Stay tuned.